0: This is London Calling. London Calling. Mr. Speaker, I want to apologise. I know that millions of people
1: across this country have made extraordinary sacrifices over the last 18 months. And I know the rage they feel with me and with the government I lead when they think that in Downing Street itself the rules are not being properly followed
0: Welcome to London Calling with me, James Dellingpole, and my very good friend, Mr Toby Young. Toby, it's going to be another
1: of those weeks where I whinge about, your back about, about my ailments. How about you? I, I recovered from my, um, my COVID, um, uh, started yeah. testing negative, um, which is great, um, but then um, immediately succumbed to a cold, which seemed a bit unfair, given how... how...
0: Oh, that note. Do you know what? I've been worried about this at uh, this very thing. I was thinking surely the 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 rules of the law of of of
1: justice would surely see that one wouldn't get a cold. Absolutely. I mean, I I thought, you know, Omicron is essentially a cold. So if you've just, you know, if your antibodies have just, uh, you know, vanquished Omicron, surely they're kind of primed, ready to kind of uh, see off any cold viruses. But apparently not, because um, either it's a kind of the long tail, either I've got long Omicron, (laughs) which is just a permanent head cold, um, or else I got a cold as soon as I recovered from Omicron. But it's really annoying because I've now still got that cold. Um, I I really disapprove, by the way,
0: of this citation of this invocation of names like (laughs) Omicron as kind of evidence of what one has had. Because A, I don't trust the, the testing system. And B, I think all these names are just part of the part of the psyop designed to designed to that they've turned this into a nation of, of, yeah, of I, obsessive. i, I, I was thinking perhaps
1: perhaps um i i didn't get omicron and i haven't subsequently got a cold i've just got yeah. the um uh the super strain known as the acton variant um which is very common in these Exa- parts you've you got the
0: nasty bug that's <laughs> going around acton
1: because they're all <laughs> yeah. unwashed and whatever um, yeah d- by the way did i ever tell you that or you're too uh, rich for your own good or something Do you, know, you remember that itv hard-hitting documentary series called worlds in action which was usually set in places like somalia yeah it was like the itv panorama it was it? like a sort of short sensationalist version of panorama um and apparently once when their budget was cut by itv they said oh we'll have to film it around the corner and call it world in acton um <laughs> no doubt j- what just do- as many <laughs> horror stories <laughs> as mogadishu um Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm sorry to hear your back pain hasn't hasn't got better. It must have got better a yes, bit.
0: Yes, no. It? Well, no. It ha- I mean, look, I've, I've the, the 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 osteo, it, not the osteo. i um, the chiropractor this time. Is 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 absolutely great. But they, I just these things take time to go. And um, yeah, and while you're in pain, it just sort of distracts you from everything. I haven't really been able to think about work or or actually the thing that really falls by the wayside if I'm when you've got pain is anything to do with admin anything that requires a, a reply or, or a signature or <laughs> just, just forget it <laughs> you're not brilliant at that stuff at the best of times no <laughs> I'm I, exactly I'm absolutely rubbish anyway so anyone expecting anyone who's written to me or, or wants me to do something
1: um, just just like dream on it's not going to happen for <laughs> a month probably okay um, uh, yeah um, so um, quite a lot has happened um, since our last podcast. Um, well, it has, and we should probably talk about it. Has, I
0: and I bet you're feeling quite. You see, I, I've got I've got this, uh, the sense that that Team Toby right now are feeling really. We're feeling quite it's smug. All, yeah. It's all it's all drawing towards. All our going our way, apparently. James. You, you were just and, wrong, and, and, and you've you've all been proved right and, and correctamundo. <laughs> This is nonsense. This is nonsense. This is just a kind of. This is a false dawn. Okay. If ever I saw one,
1: you're, you're like you're like the um, you know, the people who uh who think the world's going to end when the Hale Bopp comet appears, and you go off and join a cult in the desert and prepare for you know um uh whatever it's called um the uh, uh what's it called in, in in kind of evangelical Christian faith when they go when they get taken up to transported to heaven the rapture, rapture. so you and then the Hale Bopp comet comes and goes and nothing happens and you think ah it's going to happen next time or instead, instead of abandoning your crackpot beliefs you just double down even though the event you predicted yeah. would happen even though the, it hasn't happened here's the thing and we're going to discuss this um i'm sure later on
0: um is that although the impression is being given certainly certainly a lot of the commentary out in the mainstream media they're all suddenly, they're suddenly asking the questions that mysteriously they, they were incapable of a, uh, asking um, for the last two years. Suddenly, papers are going into questioning mode. You know, w- why did the government lock us all down? Whereas they were more than happy to cheerlead the lockdown
1: while it was happening. They haven't questioned mass They haven't questioned, questioned- it. Well, we, we can we can. Yeah, we should talk about that. It's incredible how many people. Are jumping on the bandwagon, uh, the lockdown sceptics bandwagon. Did you see that when um, Michael Gove was sent out by Boris as this sort of emissary to the 1922 committee in the Conservative Party um, uh, uh, last week? and um and gove uh talking to the twenty two described himself as a bedwetter when it came to lockdown restrictions I, I think he must be listening to our show james oh but um, totally but, uh, totally. but he, he sort of more or less apologized for having been a bedwetter you know I was wrong um and I mean he, he didn't he didn 't say that he 'd been wrong about the other lockdowns only that he 'd been wrong about thinking that we needed to do more than impose plan B restrictions in order to mitigate the impact of omicron um, but but did you see that Wes... With Streeting, the shadow health secretary, Uh, he was on one of the Sunday morning talk shows yesterday and he actually said the, the words we must never lock down again. Right. Um uh, uh, extraordinary. I mean a complete vault fast on the yeah. part of the Labour Party. But when they they don't ever present this as kind of having changed their minds or seen the light. They always pretend that they felt this way all all along. I uh, Michael Portillo um interviewed on GB News yesterday. Now, I think this morning. Uh said that you know the cure when it came to lockdowns the cure was clearly worse than the disease, you know. Uh, and and presented this as something he'd always believed. Yes. And he's like, well, "Well, where were you then in March 20 20, when people like me and James were getting hung out to dry for expressing scepticism about yeah. the wisdom of locking everyone in their even, homes.
0: Even the, the vile, repellent, noxious Piers Morgan is trying to kind of finesse his position so, so that he's trying to... He, he's suddenly asking questions that he, that he absolutely wasn't going to ask for the last
1: two years. Suddenly, I tell you what, it, it, it reminds me, Joe, and in, in a sense it's a good sign um, that uh, all these um, sinners are converting and sort of trying to pretend they were never sinners in the first place. I mean, it shows the extent to which the argument has been won uh, by the lockdown sceptics. But it reminds me, James, if I had a conversation, funnily enough, at Piers Morgan's Christmas party in you 2019. Didn't, you didn't go to his Christmas party. Uh, I went to his Christmas party and I had a conversation as I was leaving, Lionel Barber, um, who I think had just stepped down or was possibly still the editor of the ft but yeah. about to step down um and um and and Brexit had effectively, you know, it, it was now it was now conclusive because Boris had just won um, uh, an 80 seat majority on a, on a platform of getting Brexit done. It was now Brexit was now going to get done. The Remainers had definitively lost the fight. Um, and um, and I said to Lionel Barber on my way out, I said, you know, um, uh, if Britain's going to prosper in the kind of post Brexit era as a kind of independent sovereign state, we need a lot of the. to kind of get on board and kind of uh, put their shoulder to the wheel and kind of pull together with the rest of us. We can't have them leaving the country or trying to sabotage, you know, Britain's future from within to prove they were right. We need to set up some sort of truth and reconciliation committee line. Why don't you and I set it up, you know, one from each side and try and bring people together, have some constructive conversations, some drinks parties. And he said, "Um, well, it's a good idea, Toby, but why me? And I said, well, because, you know, you're, you, you, are one of the capo de capos of the Romaniacs. You know, you, you, the FT has been the most pro-Remain newspaper throughout, uh, this debate. You know, if, if you're willing to kind of, uh, be reasonable about this and reconcile yourself with the Brexiteers, you will lead the way for others. It's no, rubbish. I was never an anti-Brexiteer. I've always seen both sides of the argument. It was like unbelievable. I mean, it was like, it was, uh, it was, it was like a communist. It was like a kind of communist apparatchik in 1990 just after the soviet union has collapsed um saying i was never, i was never a communist i've always i've always been very critical of uh communism uh it was quite extraordinary yes but it's a sign that the argument has been definitively won um yeah possibly yes i i i think
0: that the other other analogy i like is we are in france in august 1944 and okay. suddenly, we discover that every single member of the French population has yes. been with the resistance all along, and none of yep. them have collaborated. I mean, no, siree, nor Monsieur.
1: It, it, I had lunch with an old friend of mine, Grub Smith, um, today, and we were talking about this, and he said that he had made um, a travel documentary in Germany about um, twenty-five years ago, and his producer wanted him to interview a former member of the Nazi party. And literally they couldn't find one. And, and it wasn't because they'd all died. It was just, no one was willing to admit it. Eventually yeah. he did find one guy said, oh yeah, I was in the SS and pulled out his identity card, but he kept in his wallet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, yeah. I like the French resistance analogy.
0: Yeah. 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 It, it is. Um, but nevertheless, I am suspicious because, um, the, Peter Hitchens, for example, he wrote a he wrote a, a, a characteristically robustish piece in the Mail on Sunday last weekend. Um, but the detail that drew yeah he, he was he was he was saying what a nonsense the whole lockdown had been and, and yada yada yada. But the thing that that brought me up short was where he said the government had been panicked into taking this action I, I don't believe it was panicked into doing anything i believe that this was you know this is where you and i will disagree that this yeah, was, this was planned and orchestrated at a much higher level than than that of sovereign governments and you see this in the fact that all the governments around the world acted in lockstep sure some were stricter in the lockdowns and some were stricter in their enforcement of masks and so on but this was this was a global thing and and this was planned, and I, I I'm afraid to say I I think that there is also something planned about this withdrawing of the of of, of some of the the stricter regulations that I mean I mean we're, we're quite lucky aren't we in the UK? But it doesn't You've got seem comes bad, to like Austria it, it, where they're going to be
1: fined for right. I think from but, February so, this year
0: you're going to be fined for not having
1: the jab. So how can it be a global plan coordinated by? somebody if if all countries are responding differently i mean england's a real outlier here i mean it looks like we're gonna have the fewest restrictions uh almost in the whole of europe i'm talking i'm talking Sweden. about
0: the, the, what's happened in the last two years you can't just kind of wave your hand and say oh well this was just an aberration this was just kind of some so th- this was all really crazy governments doing really silly things because they were so incompetent and half-witted i just don't buy that analysis i mean sure we are an, it's unusual in that we are in an anomalous position in that we are, we seem to be in this country softer than, than elsewhere. I mean, you're, you're, you're gonna have the, the, these Japanese soldiers on Pacific I- Islands who don't know the war's ended. And clearly one of those Japanese soldiers is gonna be Australia. Another is gonna be New Zealand. Another's mm-hmm. gonna be, I don't know, I mean, oh, Israel's gonna be, is, is gonna hold out to the last, I imagine. And some people are going to, soften their position and we seem at the moment to be one of those but I don't, I don't i don't think the fact that we are soft demonstrates that um my thesis is wrong it just just means that that we we seem to be moving in this particular direction earlier than other countries well
1: well james i i obviously disagree with you i don't think that uh the decision to lock down in march 2020 was planned more than 24 hours ahead of time uh anyway um we should probably hear from our first sponsor mm. um which is um an old favorite james who we haven't heard from in a little while does it begin with so b see if you can guess see does if you it, can guess who it is does it begin with b and when, end in ambi uh it does because because well we love bambi don't we i mean we i'm do. sorry we that them.
0: we killed his um his mother
1: Yes, yes. But he's all right. He's thriving. He's doing very well. So when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. An average of seventy thousand dollars a year. Bambi, spelt B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy and maintain your compliance all for just ninety nine dollars a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customise your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. Month-to-month, no hidden fees, cancel any time. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. Today. Go to Bambi.com slash London right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash London. Spelt B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash London. So, James, we should talk about our old friend Boris. Yes, boris
0: much um,
1: in the old friend category, I think, <laughs> rather than the current friend category. He's in a spot of bother, isn't he? Um, uh, he... uh i think this has all happened since our last podcast, but um it emerged um uh, i think at the beginning of last week uh or, no, it wasn't wasn 't the very beginning it was midweek that there had been um a uh party at uh downing street uh which uh, he and Carrie uh attended for twenty five minutes although uh when Boris appeared before the House of Commons to apologize for having been at this party he claimed that he thought it was a work event uh, because the downing street rose garden uh, was an extension of the workplace um, uh, and hadn't realized it was a party even though uh, martin reynolds um, his private secretary at the time known as party marty um, had sent round an invitation uh, which invited everyone to bring your own booze is he really called party suggest- marty
0: I mean, was that, was well, that his I, name I before that, this? Or I, I don't,
1: no, probably not, probably not. I think, uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's just what he's referred to now by kind of uh, Western New Insiders <laughs> as a sort of joke uh, Yeah, Uh by me. Uh, anyway, um so Boris apologised um uh for this infraction and it looked bad because he'd previously said that uh, uh he hadn't broken the rules uh, when news of other Downing Street parties emerged and it looked like it was, Do- I, mean, I think it was Dominic Cummings. I mean, w- we suspect Dominic Cummings was behind the leakage of other party scandals um uh, but this one he actually did leak he put it in his email newsletter i think on substack anyway so boris then got into all sorts of difficulties had to apologize to the house of commons and then on friday it emerged that um there'd been there were two other parties at Downing Street, leaving parties, on the eve of the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral, which everyone remembers because the Queen was photographed um, by mourning by herself because it was a socially distanced funeral. So on the eve of the day when the Queen uh, was pictured at her... Husband's funeral, obeying the rules, all these people in Downing Street broke the rules. Now Boris was at Chequers when these two parties took place. Apparently they merged in the end there was a DJ, someone sat on Wilf's swing and broke it. I mean it sounds like there was a real shinding um but uh anyway so that doesn't look good and and boris's kind of damage control is to uh say well yes i'm very sorry if i did break any of the rules but we have to leave it to sue gray the civil servant who's been tasked with investigating this matter to see whether any rules were broken before rushing to judgment um and uh or before coming to a conclusion about it but but you know that there is a huge amount of anger uh both within the parliamentary conservative party and with the uh with the um, in various conservative constituency associations and indeed in the country at large, um, uh, including amongst um, Tory voters, um, everyone who themselves obeyed the rules or uh, particularly people who uh, weren't able to visit loved ones, elderly relatives, weren't able to go to weddings, funerals, christenings, the births of their babies and so forth.
0: Yeah, but Tobes, this is the reason I don't I think this is a complete non-story which has been inflated out of all proportion by the media and as a, it's very clearly a concerted campaign to get Boris. The decision, I think I mentioned this last week, the decision has been made that Boris must go and, and therefore it's a foregone conclusion that the, the media is just talking up this fairly trivial story, which they've presumably had up their sleeves for a very long time. I mean, when was the party? In May last year. And also, if those members of the public who are saying, oh it's one rule for them another rule for us well that that the government is a is hypocritical response was available to them at any time for example during the g8 summit when there were lots of photographs mm-hmm. of yep. all the all the delegates um wearing masks for photo calls and then having a party where none of them social distance none of them wore masks none of them did any of this stuff and you, you had the hapless staff wearing masks Um, like 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 in in their slave outfits while while the the people of the of the capital parted Um, I I just not buying into this this idea that this is the damning revelation which is which which deserves to to unseat Boris it's just one more damn thing which has been talked up it's 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 a fabrication I mean, not not the actual story itself, which obviously the party did happen, but but so bloody what? It's just, I'm amazed we're even talking about it, actually, or taking it seriously.
1: Well, um, I agree that there there, have been plenty of opportunities to point out the hypocrisy of the um, proponents of lockdown restrictions before now. And indeed, we've often pointed them out on this programme. We did. Um, And lots of the people who are kind of, up on their high horses, um, wagging their fingers at Boris and yep. tutting, um, like Keir Starmer, Sadiq Khan, Nicholas Sturgeon, uh, all have been guilty of breaching the rules themselves. Yes. Um, and been photographed, um, unmasked. Even, I remember Gary Lineker, remember that picture of him unmasked in a shop, uh, during, I don't know, tier two restrictions. Um, uh, but, um, uh, it, it, I guess, I guess it's the sort of cumulative impact, you know, I mean, if, if Dominic Cummings is the person who's been leaking these stories yeah. and he's, he's done it in a kind of drip 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 way um, and, and and Boris kind of fell into his trap by after the first revelation or the first cluster of revelations saying I never broke the rules I didn't attend any of these parties and then it emerges that in fact he did and you know he was at one of these parties it's it, it sort of uh, and people say it's not the crime it's the cover up if he could have only admitted it and I think what people object to I think one of the reasons this is serious for him um, uh, though I agree it may not be fatal um but one of the reasons it is serious is that um boris's appeal is that he doesn't take people for fools or didn't appear to by you know i've always thought that one of the reasons he cuts through and kind of the public have this kind of affection for him and people shout out boris you know when he's sort of walking down the street and they see him and want to be photographed with him take selfies with him and so forth is because by kind of sending up the political process by saying something, but saying it in an obviously insincere way as yep. if to say, I don't take you for such fools as to think you would actually believe any of this garbage. So I'm going to make it obvious that I don't really believe what I'm saying. It's just the party line I'm expected to toe and I can't even be bothered to master the script. I'll get it wrong to ind- I'll, I'll go off script and I'll get, I'll get the script wrong just to convey to you that I know it's nonsense and I don't take you for fools. I don't expect you to take Take any of this garbage at face value people like that different from other politicians and that was that was what made him so popular so I think by saying that he didn't break the rules and it now emerges that he did it's as though he's taken them for fools he was expecting them to believe his denial and now they think oh and he's just like any other politician and that completely kind of destroys that kind of sense of connection that they had with him that sense of you know their trust they had in him as someone a bit different not your typical lying politician um, so I think if, i, mean, I don 't think it's't think it, i think it, probably not fatal, but yet there may be yet more revelations i mean good God, his ability to shoot himself in a, in the foot is pretty incredible um, but um, so long as there are no more unforced errors, which is a huge i don 't think he probably uh, can survive to fight the next general election I'd, rather, I'd certainly rather have the useless Boris at, at number ten
0: than have well certainly preferable to gove who's been absolutely hawkish although they call themselves doves don't they he's been an absolute hawk on 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 covid enforcement i mean he somebody's some mp said he he'd lock us all up if if, if, if he could um and then you've got rishi who's superficially attractive but is i i think a, a stooge of the goldman sachs world economic forum um nexus uh and who i, I suppose liz Truss would be would be all right, I can't think of anyone else who'd be any good.
1: Yeah, I quite like Liz too. Um, um, politically, but, she's quite sound. I like the fact that she wants to kind of uh, present herself as a sort of 21st century incarnation of Margaret Thatcher. But <laughs> so can we just go back to why
0: film. I'm, I'm not, not being optimistic about what I call the false dawn? Uh, um, and as Exhibit A, I present um, an article which appeared in this excellent online publication the Daily Skeptic. Have you heard mm. of this?
1: <laughs> it's very good. I've heard it fantastic. Yeah, it is very good.
0: Um, and it's um, it's why weren't they release the data on child deaths following COVID vaccination? And as as you know, there was there was a there was a court case um, where um, the applicants wanted the wanted to force out of the courts this information that the Office for National Statistics was was holding um, which is about the number of of adverse reactions among children in the 12 17 age group to vaccines uh, or clot shots or death jabs as I, as I more accurately could call them and um, the judge one Mr Justice Jonathan Swift um, said that he was not minded to direct the ONS to re- release this data and his reasoning was extraordinary. I mean, even though there was no danger of any of the children's identities being revealed, were the data to be released, he, that was, that was the, the threadbare excuse he used. And I think a lot of people are looking at, looking at seeing Britain as it really is, um, exposed in the last two years, and they look at, they look at cases like this and they think these english common law the english legal system which is supposed to be the envy of the world is actually as corrupt as in any banana republic that this this justice swift swift character was clearly doing the government's bidding was not at all interested in 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 examining the evidence without fear or favor you know People who who went to the went to look, look at the the case said that he that he was very very cosy with the other side and and obviously not disposed towards helping the the people who wanted this data released, and I just thought,
1: you know, what kind of country do we live in? I not think it's very unlikely that he's corrupt, James. Um, I think it's much much more likely because well,
0: well, no, i'm not saying he was bribed i'm saying he was morally corrupt and actually i no, i've seen this too many times now and, and weirdly enough you are at odds with almost everyone commenting on your own on, on that article <laughs> in your your website um everyone thinks that the the, the 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 our courts are not working they are not being honest and and this was clearly the court doing the government's bidding because. W- what public interest can there be in withholding data from parents about the effects of vaccines on children? Come on, don't, well, don't try and I, defend the system, Toby. It is indefensible that
1: I would have thought that uh, it's it's I haven't actually studied that case in any great detail. But um, I did. I was quite close to uh, the, the case I was involved in, in which the free speech union um, applied to judicially review the coronavirus guidance issued by Ofcom, um, which uh, discouraged broadcasters from inviting anyone uh, who dissented from the official COVID narrative onto the airwaves. Um, and um, we challenged that uh, under Article 10 of the European Convention on Human Rights. And um, we had a, a a written permissions hearing and then an oral permissions hearing when you apply for permission to go to the next stage, where you then have a kind of proper examination of the arguments on both sides Uh, and we were knocked back both at the written and at the oral permissions hearing and i listened to the judge's reasoning as to um why um uh, he thought this guidance was perfectly lawful and proportionate and not a breach of article 10 Uh, and the gist of it was that um uh he just kind of completely bought into The COVID narrative, um, and didn't think that um, there was a kind of legitimate, respectable point of view. Um, uh which which challenged it uh, and he thought if you do allow people essentially thought that if you allow people to challenge it um uh that might endanger public health um and um of course i think he was wrong uh, and that was also the point of view of the government but he wasn't doing the government's bidding he hadn't been got at that was just his point of view it was just group thing he just shares the same point of view as most most people in the establishment right well you you can you can think that toby but but it's funny how all the
0: cases whenever whenever people have tried to to um, fight judicial reviews to question government policy in every single case. The judges have sided with the government, with with the status quo. They have not. Those of us who've been hoping that the courts might might uh, provide a, a remedy whereby we might get justice against these iniquities in every case, the courts have failed us. And I think the, the commentator, there's somebody called Stewart, says. My first reaction is to be horrified at the debasement of all our right institutions, and this is how people are feeling, the, deb- the debasement of all our right institutions, and the irreparable damage being done to people's faith in the system. But then I realise, he says, that it's nothing to be horrified at. It's actually the silver lining to all this. It is precisely the blind faith in institutions and authority that has made all this madness possible. The more reputational damage the system gets, the better. You, you, you trying to defend the system? I think you are so out of touch with what's been going on these last two years, Toby. What? It's, it's, it's as if wait, wait, let me finish. It's as if a nuclear bomb has hit our country, and you're going, yeah, but it was only a small nuclear bomb and and we can sweep up and and all the
1: radiation will go it's not this is our country is toxic what i just said isn't wasn't wasn't a defense of the system i do think that um uh that senior judges um could be much more independent minded and are prone to groupthink and i think one of the reasons for that is because um senior judges are appointed by other judges it's a self-perpetuating elite and there should be a way of appointing judges particularly judges to our supreme court uh whereby parliament and people have more say and i think that might promote a bit more independence of mind i think i i don't I, i wouldn't defend the system and i do think that uh the judgments um have been um uh gone gone the way of the government, far too often they're not in every case. James. There have been one or two successful challenges, um, but um, I don't think that's because um, uh, the whole system is broken. Well, um, I just think I think it, I think it, I think it, it needs to be improved, but I don't think we should we should sweep away our judiciary because um, some of these decisions haven't gone our way. Right, I do um, because I, think, I I think, think, I think, I
0: think yeah. Look, look, it, it, it's the classic Toby Team Toby Team James debate. You think it's all the, the system is basically functional um and and that it's all the, the, the worst thing is it's 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 cock up it's just people just just not quite getting it right i say no it's far worse than that it is it is massive corruption uh, even if it you know moral corruption financial corruption whatever it's on a it's it, it's a it cuts across all the institutions from government to the civil service to the judiciary the system is absolutely Bust, and it's been tested to destruction by the last two years. And this case, this this Justice Swift character, d- uh, d- towing the government line and and throwing children to the to the to the wolves, um, I just think is 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 characteristically disgusting of a, of our broken system. So we can we can agree to disagree, but that that's that, that's where our our lines are drawn. You know, my my position is very different from yours.
1: Well. I worry, James, that, um, if, if you just reject our entire system as being, um, irredeemably corrupt and broken, um, without, without having any sort of suggestion as to what should replace it, that you're just fueling alienation and a sense of grievance, um, which of could ultimately lead grievance. to, kind of mindless destruction um i mean I, i'm all for reform that's I'm a cliche all for change mindless but, destruction but, what does it mean it, well what are you going if, to if you think the system is broken and can't be fixed um and we need to start again afresh yeah. i mean how are you going to how are you going to stop what, hap, what how are you going to stop happening what happened in cambodia when they returned to year zero or in russia there, in there 2017 are are or in examples
0: france of of revolutions in history ending which have, very few, which have very, ended ending well ended happily with ended ended up. no they always it, end in kind
1: of but, bloodletting and tyranny
0: yeah and i i agree with all that and it's not as though i'm 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 looking at a kind of functional system and saying oh i think we could make it better um because because i'm a perfectionist i'm i'm looking at a system which is broken beyond redemption that it is so corrupted and so useless and so against the interests of of people that th- we're going to have to do something pretty radical you know it, the, the, your, your reaction is like well let's let's just pretend it's not happening because because uh, because any form of change will will inevitably make things worse i'm saying things are so bad that, that change is the only only thing we can have
1: yeah, but I, I, that word change is, um, is, is, uh, you know, can, can mean a multitude of things. And, um, if it means, um, you know, um, uh, a successor to Boris Johnson who is much more like Margaret Thatcher and who's not going to be, um, captured by the woke civil service and is going to see through a reforming agenda which sees Britain becoming um, uh, the Singapore of the North Sea, then well, um, we wish that, 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 that could be a potential happen. solution, uh, preferable to um, uh, uh, sweeping everything aside in a bloody revolution in the hope that what succeeds it will somehow be better. Anyway, we'd probably better hear from our um, yes. next sponsor, James. So yes, do,
0: let, let me do the next one, which is for start mail. Free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free. You pay with your privacy. In fact, internet giants like Big Tech bank on exploiting your data by selling it to the highest bidder. Your business plan? Google has it. Your medical records? Yahoo can sell them to drug companies. That's why I use Startmail. It makes me feel safe again. Startmail keeps my email private period. Every email can be encrypted even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. When you delete an email in Startmail it's gone forever and Startmail uses their own servers not Amazon's which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Switching to Startmail is seamless too. You can easily transfer all your current email data, so there's no starting from scratch. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited, anonymous aliases. This feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So, when you're giving your email to a company but want to protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your information. And they can be deleted any time. Your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. Email snoops and scammers are taking advantage of the pandemic as phishing has skyrocketed in the last year. Take control of your privacy with Startmail before it's too late. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash London. That's Startmail with a T-S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash London for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash London.
1: So, James, I don't know if you've, um, you've been following um, uh, Boris's um, uh, survival plan, but um, he's calling it, apparently, I don't know. If, if Operation Red talks, No. Well, it's Operation Save Big Dog and operation red meat i think it i think it's i think he refers to it as operation save big dog yeah even though apparently no one in downing street has ever referred to him as big dog i think he's more often referred to as trolley because he's like a wonky trolley that kind of veers around in different directions Uh, but anyway his name for um uh saving saving boris is called save uh say operation save big dog and i think Red meat, Operation Red Meat is a kind of subsection of this plan and one component of, of, so Operation Red Meat is throwing red meat policies, making a succession, a flurry of policy announcements likely to please conservative.
0: Yeah, aren't they going to machine gun immigrants as they, as they tried to cross the channel? <laughs> that kind
1: of well, he's, thing. Well, he's, 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 apparently turning over responsibility, uh, for, um, stopping migrants crossing the channel to um the british army um or or perhaps the british navy the armed forces anyway um but um i think it's very unlikely they'll turn anyone back um they'll just go and (laughs) pick them up off their dinghies and kind of bring them to shore on you know
0: yeah um, and also the the uh, very name operation red meat sort of indicates that this is a pr gesture
1: rather than anything fundamental yeah
0: by the way aren't we eating into here into um culture corner
1: we can get onto culture corner in a minute but i was going to be talking about i was going to just just briefly mention um the bbc so attacking the bbc i think is one of the um uh uh, as part of operation red meat and nadine dorries announced um i think on sunday that um uh the license fee would be frozen for the next couple of years whereas the bbc had very much wanted to put it up uh to keep it uh, you know, in line with inflation. And uh, they've said that they're going to have to make £2 billion worth of cuts over the next two years if the licence fee doesn't go up. And I think uh, Nadine Doris has also said that um, the uh, current funding model whereby... Everyone with a television set has to pay um, uh, a tithe to the BBC for fear of being fined and possibly imprisoned is going to is going to is going to be abandoned and replaced with something else. And that's caused absolute consternation. And Twitter today is full of BBC apparatchiks. Um, uh, uh, talking about just what great value for money the BBC is. So there was one. I don't know if you've seen it. There's one kind of uh, picture of all the different BBC channels you can get. Kind of it's like a, uh, lots of little windows with with each of these services, which which apparently only costs us forty three p a day. And they've been saying could, you couldn't get that for hundred and fifty pounds from Sky, you know, which is what the annual license fee is. Um, but but the point is, you know, if it's such great value for money, you know, if you get all these amazing different channels for the the, the trifling sum of forty three p a day. Well, then why are they concerned about not becoming a subscription service? Surely they think it's such fantastic value for money and would easily outcompete Sky. Then what have they got to worry about? Yeah. Why force people to pay that on pain of imprisonment if they think it's such a great deal? Um, uh, so that's a pretty feeble argument. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm I'm, I'm quite uh, I've, I've never been <laughs> never been a fan of the BBC license fee, so I'm quite uh, pleased that uh, Nadine has finally taken the fight to the BBC and I must say um, even though I don't think the judiciary has been um, uh, actively trying to do the government's Biddy. Right, yes, um, I do think in their case, it probably is groupthink. I do think that the top brass of the BBC um, uh, probably have been kind of leaning a bit on their kind of um, editors uh, to um, regurgitate, you know, Downing Street's COVID propaganda and not be too critical of the government during the last two years during the pandemic in the hope of winning you know political favor gaining influence in downing street you know becoming a partner of the government rather than an antagonist um uh uh, and so so i think they're very upset now to discover that the moment boris finds himself up against the wall you know he immediately kind of tosses a chunk of red meat to his kind of uh, core base uh, which involves attacking the BBC so I think, yeah, for 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 all the credit they've got in Downing Street from having kind of regurgitated Downing Street's propaganda slavishly for the last two years they might as well have actually done some proper journalism instead um anyway yes why don't we rattle through the third sponsor and then quickly get onto culture corner and try and end by uh, within the next 10 minutes yeah, so okay. James well, we I love my work, but sometimes I dread sitting down at my desk. Or at least I used to before I got my X-chair. Now, thanks to my X-chair, I actually look forward. To sitting at my office because my body feels so much more supported and comfortable and more comfort means more productivity helping my x-chair pay for itself thanks to how much more work i'm getting done every day and if i'm feeling tight or stressed i just turn on the lmx massage feature and choose from four different massage options if the office is running too hot or too cold i just flip on the lmx temperature regulation and either heat or cool my lower back and once you feel the customized support of x-chair's patented dynamic variable lumber or deviation your back will never be happy in any other chair again take my advice try x chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days once you realize how much better your chair should be you'll never go back i promise go to xchairlondon.com now that's the letter x the word chair l-o-n-d-o-n dot com or if you're in the u.s call one 844 x chair for a hundred dollars off your order x chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 dollars a month xchairlondon.com so james um have you got any goodies to uh recommend this week well i've just started watching that have you seen it um yellow jackets yeah i i saw the first episode and i quite liked it and i haven't i haven't continued with it yet but it's sort of um uh on my to-do list
0: yes okay so so you you know the the premise so a, a girl's soccer as they call it in america a girls a girl's um soccer team crashes in the remote mountains somewhere in i don't know canada or somewhere and for some bizarre reason the the, the plane doesn't get the wreckage doesn't get discovered, they don't get rescued for two years, Uh, during which time we we, we are given to understand via various flashbacks in the first episode uh, the girls form into kind of tribes uh, and, and they seem to they seem to sort of hunt one another down and, 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 and kill each other and, mm. and uh, anyway, um, then, the, we, so it keeps flashing between the past and the present as we, we meet these survivors as yes. middle-aged moms and, uh, with their emotional problems and their scarred and, and stuff. Anyway. It's yeah. it's a it's a, it's a mashup, isn't it? Of, of sort of Lord of the of the yeah. Flies meets Heather's meets mean,
1: mean Girls, yeah. Mean Girls meets yeah. all sorts of
0: things. So I like all that, and 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 it's clearly it's got a good cast. It's got these sort of yeah. eight 90s starlets who are sort of have been rehabilitated. You know, where are they now, starlets like Juliet Juliet Lewis, Juliet Lewis, and, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Christina Ritchie and yeah. uh, some others and and it, it looks good i mean it, it it's 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 confidently directed and and it, uh, i mean it's it, they've obviously thrown money at it and and it's 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 the quote is going to be good my worry is it's 10 episodes and also lost i mean that was the last plane crash series we watched wasn't it uh, one watched and it went yes, on for six seasons yes. during which yeah. none of the questions was resolved we I mean, just meandered yes. on and on And I worry, 10 episodes, 10 hours is a long time for a lot of sort of faffage and distraction and reandering and and, and
1: preparation for series two might go on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the shortcomings, I think, of... um even the very best um, American TV series is that um, they're never self-contained are they there is never a kind of never a proper arc over the course or story arc over the course of one season because they're always hopeful that it'll get recommissioned well that's um, it when uh, you think um,
0: how much money yeah. there was to be made i mean didn't did, didn't Jesse Armstrong make something like nine million dollars I think for season three of succession? So he's got the no incentive yeah. ever to wrap it up. And I I'm sure that no. applies to all showrunners.
1: Also there's 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 also the I mean it used to be I don't know whether it still is with kind of uh in the streaming world, but um twenty five years ago um, if you were a successful television writer, you didn't hit the jackpot until a series you were the executive producer of went into syndication and it wouldn't go into syndication um, uh, until you had at least kind of uh, seven or eight seasons in the can and then it could be bought by other television production uh, uh broadcasters and 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 sort of shown on heavy rotation like friends seinfeld and once you once it was sold into syndication if it had been a hit for seven or eight seasons then you then you pocketed a check for a hundred million dollars um so that was the big jackpot they oh, for. so they have no that. incentive to try and keep these things down to 10 episodes i was pleased to see actually that the new season of ozarks the ozarks is about to drop i think in its entirety um uh on netflix which i've really enjoyed and it's i think season four and apparently it's going to be the last one so they will at least be able to wrap everything up and i think um i think the next um season of better call Saul, which is i think season six is also going to be the final one too so that's something as well
0: Mm. i i i think that that this has had a, a general bad effect on, on TV. This this will be won't we get our, our next season commission because there was a, um, I mean, it even affects sort of art house series. Like, did you ever series ever see a, a French TV series called um, The Returned? Les revenants. You
1: know, it's, I I think I I I I, I I I I was aware of it, but I'm not sure I ever. Well, okay, so season it.
0: one is really really good, but it ends on a it ends in a way that suggests look uh, if the commissioning editors like this <laughs> this this series then we hope that they will commission another one we have left it open ended and, and and then the, se- the second season is just absolutely rubbish it's just like you, right. you it kind of ruins season one for you um,
1: right yeah well um I'm, I'm, I started watching Dope Sick. Have you watched Dope Sick? Yeah, I have. I know, it's one to c- watch. Yeah. I,
0: I think the story it tells is is fantastic and really important. The effect And, of course, of the, villains, of the, villain, the villain
1: is Big Pharma.
0: So yeah, well, like it, that. Big Pharma, or rather sort of, sort of middle-sized farmer, because the Sackler family pharma, yeah. owned Heard Purdue you. Pharma, yeah. which is like, yeah, small, small scale compared to Pfizer. Although they did, they did make something like 30 billion out of yes. pushing this addictive drug which is, which you can still buy now i mean they, they haven't been punished for it that's the that's the disappointing thing you you expect to get to the end of of dope sick and think well finally the people responsible for this epidemic which has claimed more lives i think than than the vietnam war and uh, <laughs> in america and it, and it was incli- in, entirely wrong what they did and yet they haven't gone behind bars and they uh, and they've only paid out a
1: pittance in in damages um is it worth pursuing with because I, I i i found it f- quite slow no and I watch, found it on, watch it on fast quite forward. Crude. in fact okay. you know what
0: you're best off doing just f- fast forwarding to the end to the beginning of each episode and, and and watching catch up you watch the entire
1: thing on catch up and then you'll then you'll know what it's okay okay <laughs> i'll do that so I, i've watched a few films because um I'm a member of BAFTA, James, and um, I've got them on my viewing portal. BAFTA, um, that, that's, uh, the, is that like the, I think it is, it's, it's some sort of paedophile organisation, isn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but I watched uh, The Duke, um, which is, um, it's based on a true story, have you heard about The Duke? It's based on a true story of um, uh, an, an English um, uh, man in his late 50s, um funnily enough he's campaigning for free television licenses for um pensioners and veterans um which the bbc did eventually grant i think uh, many years later this this is set in the i think it's set in the 1960s um and um and what he ends up doing is he ends up stealing um a velasquez uh portrait of the duke of wellington um and it stars um jim broadbent um and uh uh, helen mirren um and is um it's okay it's like it's very much a kind of that's a genre now the kind of quaint slightly quirky british comedy sort of a throwback to the kind of ealing comedy genre Uh, it's not great it's sort of it's it's reasonably diverting i also saw um red rocket um same guy who directed that movie about Florida, set in, a, in a, like a trailer park in Florida, like a couple of years ago. It's, it's about, it's about this, it's about this guy, um, who returns to his hometown, um, in Texas. Um and um he's a, he's a he's a he he left um to become a porn star in Los Angeles and his career as a porn star's gone pear shaped, so he comes back to Texas City um uh to try and sort of it's not quite clear, he's sort of at a loose end and he's virtually homeless. And he's sort of a, a cheap hustler, um uh, uh sort of anti hero figure. And it's so I guess it's just an indictment of the American dream because his dream is to kind of, you know, um resurrect his career as a porn star and it kind of portrays The pornography industry as a kind of um, uh, pastiche almost of the American dream. How can this poor beleaguered soul cling on to his? Uh, American dream, given that all he wants to do is kind of uh, exploit young girls and turn them into porn stars. Anyway, quite good. I mean, quite well done, but um, uh, an indictment of contemporary America. And then finally, I saw Being the Ricardos. That, I think, is available for anyone to watch if they've got Amazon Prime. Um, it's the latest Aaron Sorkin film written and directed by him, starring Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. And it's about... Um, Lucille Ball and, uh, Dizzy Arnes, um, uh, who was her husband for a bit. I might be mispronouncing that. And, um, and, and it's about a tumultuous week in their lives when I Love Lucy was a massive hit. I think they were filming like season two or something. And, um, the story breaks, uh, that, uh, I think Walter Winchell breaks the story that Lucille Ball was once a member of the Communist Party. And this is just after she's testified in a closed session to the House Committee on Unimagination. American activities in which she does confess to having once been a member of the communist party but kind of plays it down and she's eventually kind of excused by them and they decided not to bring any charges and it's about the kind of uh, chaos this throws their life into yeah was, uh, don't care fe- okay. you know commie it's actually it's quite well we done it's quite good
0: stupid bloody commie sounds sounds crap you know i presume yeah, well, you're the film. Your, your, goodwill in in, you're supposed to feel sorry for Lucia Ball I don't feel sorry for her at all bloody communists are the enemy
1: yeah, the, well, the, 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 in the film, I think definitely does downplay, yeah, her actual does. involvement in the in the communist party. Though I don't suppose she was an active communist in the nineteen sixties. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's, it's sort of uh, it's nevertheless it is quite it's quite entertaining. I found myself, James, I have to I, I, if something's if something sort of is woke or liberal or has a kind of anti capitalist kind of theme running through it. I I can still enjoy it if it's well done. If there's, I can I can appreciate the craft and the artistry and the performances and the dialogue, even if the message is one I profoundly disagree with. And I think you have to be able to compartmentalise like that to kind of enjoy much of the best. No, of well kind of we culture. had this conversation just last like last week, we, didn't we? we discussed. The we don't look true. up. We we both enjoyed Don't Look Up, even though essentially that's a kind of. Uh, that's that's a kind of uh, vicious indictment of kind of uh, climate change devorance. yeah
0: but i would draw the line you know, that th- this whole thing about oh isn't the past wonderful oh lucille borso show it was so iconic tv land is so important and, and here we are making a film about tv land and how important it was then and how important it still is now I'm not buying it i just think it's all part of the the narrative that, that, this, the world of entertainment is important and it's not. It doesn't count for squat. And I don't care about this ball, especially not now, unless you're a comic. I've got to go, to so I'm going to miss out on my hundreds if I'm not careful. Alright,
1: mate. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. Uh, Alright,
0: mate. See, See you. See you next week. week. Bye bye. This
1: is London Calling